This episode is powered by Tom DeLeo Day Financial Planning Services. On today's episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. We, speech pathologists will service birth to like geriatric. So yeah, birth, like early intervention. Yeah, it's, it's a service called early intervention. So you can come to people's houses, but that seems like, does this child share attention with you? Like if you're playing with a ball, do they look at the ball? You know, will they try and grab the ball? Will they grab what toy they want? That All of that is communication. Communication is not, is not always verbal. A lot, it can be very much nonverbal. And a lot of the time it's just understanding, you know, how people are different in their way of communicating. My- This episode is sure to deliver stimulating conversations and aha moments that may give you a fresh perspective. If any moment made your soul vibrate, please leave us a review and let us know if we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe and visit BlackGirlsGettingTheirShiftTogether.com to access exclusive offers and coaching packages. The coaching packages include clarity calls, VIP one-on-one exclusive coaching, and my absolute favorite, the Tribe Vibes. The Tribe Vibe is a twist on ladies' night, focusing on self-care for black women with a holistic approach. Welcome to Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. I'm your host, Ursula, a transformation life coach and mental health and wellness advocate. This is a safe space for amazing Black women to share open, honest dialogue about mental health and wellness, self-care, self-love, and basically how to get our shift together. Let's tune in to this week's episode. For the queen, sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self esteem. Beauty supreme and booty walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you God's gift to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure, you got to love a black girl getting a shift together, black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, man, these black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together, dog. And I want to give a special shout out, so for those of all who do not know, my podcast is now global in over 30 countries. Not states, countries. So today, wait, I have it pulled up here. Uh, I'll keep it local. I want to give a shout out to people in Michigan. There are a lot of listeners in Michigan and, of course, Detroit and Lansing. Hmm. And we're going to give a special shout out to my listeners in Australia. Hello, Sydney. Yes. All right. (laughs) 
So be sure to check out my website, blackgirlsgettingtheirshifttogether.com. There's always going to be information about upcoming events. There are coaching packages as well as digital products and merch like the cool t-shirt I'm wearing right now. Let's get right into it. I'm going to bring my lovely guest out of the waiting room and some of you may know her and if you do know her i want you to say hello send some heart emojis if you do not know her send some heart emojis all right kb i'm coming for you hi (laughs) kenya hey girl I am excited to be here. Nervous, but very excited. (laughs) You know what? I thank you so much for coming on. This sister, she's sending me a lot of love because (laughs) I'll let you tell it. Sister girl does not do the computer thing after six. I don't talk after six, try after three thirty. Like I don't talk. There's no computer. There's no phone. No nothing. Like. Because I talk all day at work, so it's just, it's it's frustrating. <laughs> I know, and you said enough that you said, yes, you come on my podcast. Without hesitation. <laughs> I am so grateful and appreciative. I really am. Of course. So let me tell you, I didn't want to tell you before, but let me tell you how I thought of this topic and everyone we're going to get into what the topic is and what Kenya does as a profession so I was laying in bed and I was thinking you know I want I'm going through my friends list my uh, social media friends I have some dope ass Facebook friends (laughs) for the things that they do and I said I have to think of something that I want it to be related to mental health and wellness some kind of way I said, I wanted to be unique with it. So I closed my eyes. 30 minutes later, my eyes popped open. I said, Kenya! (laughs) I did. So then I got on my computer and I put in what we're going to talk about. How is it related to mental health? And I was like, oh yeah. So that's what I got on my phone. Kenya! And text me. I think I was like, it was kind of late too, because I think I was at work, like at my hospital job at that. <laughs> right. So that's what that was about. So when you said yes, I was so ecstatic <laughs> because I don't know any, I don't know anyone else who does what you do. So yeah. yeah. So you're already getting a hello from Erica White. And for for those who do not know, if you go back to season two, Erica Wyatt was also a special guest on Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. And you'll have to go back and listen to her episode. She is a political guru. She really is. She She really really is. Right. (laughs) Again. I didn't know anyone else to ask when I wanted to do something about the elections. I was like, Erica, that's a no-brainer. Right yeah. there. <laughs> and she also said yes. So that was pretty awesome. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. All right. So can you tell every... Oh, wait. Can I do one more thing? Yeah. Can I explain how we met? It's your show. 
<laughs> so Kenya B is an athletic. She does whoa, everything. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I've worked out with her and she's strong as hell. <laughs> And she's quiet, or at least at the gym. And you know, my mouthy self. I'm like, are you Kenya B? She's like, yeah, you're gonna be my friend today. You're my workout friend. We got a whole picture together from the South of Cab Striders, and we didn't even know each other. <laughs> that was about seven years ago. Yes, I know. There was a lot of BGR in that pit in that picture, too. And that's when I looked at it, I was like, wait, like that's to say I met her at the gym, <laughs> at Monica's gym. Oh my God, and look how it's come full circle. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, someone by the name of Brandy Allen says, you look great, cousin. That's my cousin. <laughs> Thanks, cousin. All right, now let's get into the meat of it. So today's episode is about speak your speech. And it's about speech language pathology, how it's related to mental health. Yeah. And this is what the lovely Kenya B does for a living. <laughs> this is her profession. So Kenya, what made you want to become a speech language pathologist? I had speech when I was a child and I always, I had always thought about doing it, but I just never, like when I finished, I, my undergrad is actually in graphic design and um, I just never pursued it. And like, I started doing the research for it and I, it's so competitive to get in. Like some of these programs get like 300 to 400 applications. You only take like 30 to 40 people. So I finished my undergrad degree and then I ended up going, starting a master's program for mental health counseling, which I'm very grateful for because <laughs> yeah, I really, I, I was thinking about that earlier today. I was like, it's funny that we've been talking about this, but I actually thought about being like a mental health, like a school counselor is what I originally started going to school for, but God had his way because I, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm grateful for the experience though. Like I did maybe like a year at Mercer, I think. Um, but you had to pass the GACE, which is the educator licensing exam. And I could not pass that math section. And so finally it was just like, we'll just give this up. Like this is what we're gonna do. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't continue in the program without, without passing the certification exam. Right. So I'm like, what am I gonna do with my life? And then one day my niece was talking to me and my niece was like, like she has a problem saying like her R sounds, like she's had it ever since she was like three. And one day she was talking to me and she's like, you don't, she's like, you don't understand me. And she got so frustrated and I broke my little heart. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. And so ever since then I was like, maybe like you need to rethink like this or whatever, because, and just, you know, try the application process, you know? And so that's when I started praying on it. And I even remember I went to church one time and I randomly like put my number in um, like one of those little prayer request baskets or whatever, because I was in a really bad place at one point. And right. I, the woman from the church that called me and she's just like, I still have the voicemail. She's just like, she's like, there's something in your future. Like, you know, she's like, I see like a school and like children and everything. And that's what I do now. And it was just uh, like everything else is history. <laughs> How long ago was that with the church? That was years ago. That was like some years ago. Like it was, it, it's been a long process. So like when I say like I'm celebrating this, like I'm very much celebrating this because it's it's been a process. Wow. <laughs> so can you explain to the listeners 
what exactly is a speech language pathologist or SLP? An SLP is everything. An SLP is a communicator, a hero. We we do the Lord's work. Um, <laughs> uh, well, the basics are we work in pretty much like we can work in three different settings usually. So there's like home health. There's no private practice, uh, medical, which is like hospitals, rehab. And then also pretty much what a, a lot of people know is working in the school systems. So I work in the school system, treating children with, and a lot of people are always going to associate it with stuttering. That's the first thing I get all the time is how do you work with children who have stutter? I don't have any children on my, I have a caseload of 50 kids and not one of them has a stutter. They have language issues. They can't comprehend like WH questions. Um, there's a lot of like articulation, uh, spatial concepts. So being able to say like, this is on top of something, this is under something. And we underestimate a lot of that because when you're, when you're typically developed, like you don't realize like how hard it is for somebody who doesn't get it or who's maybe wired a little bit differently and doesn't really understand it. So excuse me, what does the WH mean? I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. So who, what, when, where, and why questions. Really? Yeah. So like if you're, if I'm like reading, I have a lot of children who struggle with that. If I'm reading a story to a child and I say like, oh, Jimmy ate birthday cake. I can literally ask them two seconds later, like who ate the birthday cake? And they're like, Kenya ate the birthday cake. Johnny ate the birthday cake. You know, like sometimes it's like auditory processing. Sometimes they just zone out. You know, so there's, I mean, there's a lot, it's <laughs> a lot to it, but yes, we deal with, with comprehension. So there's expressive, there's expressive language, which is how you express yourself. And then there's receptive, which is how you understand language. So when you say the expressive part, can you give an example of that? So expressive is like me and you talking right now. It's okay. It's, am I, are you able to use like, are you able to use like, um, comprehensible sentences, you know, can somebody understand you when you talk or, you know, can you give clear directions and do you understand like turn taking when you're in a conversation? You know, we, we, I told you we're miracle workers. So it's, I mean, and it, it, it sounds crazy, but there are a lot of children who don't have, who don't have that, those understanding, that understanding of those those things, you know. You mean like not interrupting someone like I just did by <laughs> Oh, you said excuse me. You said excuse me. My kids will be like they they're not saying excuse me. Sometimes they'll raise their hand, but for the most part they're not saying excuse me. So, yeah, I mean, and just talking in like sentences that somebody can understand, that's what expressive is. Okay. Now I just learned something. <laughs> so, what was the next one now? receptive is what they can understand so like me talking to you right now or like me reading a story to them it's a matter of are they understand are they listening are they understanding it do they like if a teacher gives them a direction in class like if you're you're sitting in the classroom with like 30 other kids you know and you're not understanding what you're saying you have this blank look on your face because you don't understand a single thing that the teacher's telling you and like i've seen it in action I had this set of twins one time the teacher was like, was basically like yelling at him. And I, this was when I was an assistant 
And the teacher was like basically like yelling at him, like, why did you do this? Why did you, you know, why weren't you where you were supposed to be? And the therapist I was working with at the time was like, she was like, hold on. She was like, he doesn't understand you. He's looking at you like a deer in the headlights. Like you may as well have been like Charlie Brown's teacher, you know, like literally that that's what's coming to them. And it's, you know, you can break it down as simply as you want to, but if the comprehension isn't there, then they're going to miss it. So, so is there a misfire in the brain or I think sometimes some of them I think just aren't listening because as soon as I'm like if you get one of this wrong nobody's getting a treat then all of a sudden they're they're this close to me they're like looking at my paper they're like making sure they're listening and they get the answers but sometimes they just it's just not connecting you know and then language is such like a fluid thing anyway you right. know it's it's hard to explain things like why is read and read the same spelled the same but they're two different tenses you know so there's just a lot of parts of speech that can be a lot to like burden children with mm-hmm. yeah and it, and it all just depends like they're the way that they they grasp the thing. Some of them get it, some of them don't. There's a lot of, there's a couple different reasons for them. Sometimes it is because they're on the autism spectrum or they have an intellectual disability, which most of my children on my case though, do actually have like, do receive other services for like, um, like, like I said, intellectual disabilities typically. Mm-hmm. So that's usually what nuances like the communication issue. So what going back to the hospital, what would they what would an SOP do at the hospital? A hospital. So when people have strokes, um, when people have TBIs, I don't touch medical. Like, let me just say that. Like medical is not my thing. What is TBI? What like a traumatic brain injury? Brain injury. Yeah, Mm -hmm. when they get an accident, anything like that that can mess up like the anatomy of like their brain. Um, neurons, anything like that can mess up. It won't just mess up your, it won't just like confuse your speech, but it can also like swallowing, like just like the nerves it takes to like swallow stuff. And I I hate swallowing. Like I, that's why I won't work in a hospital now, (laughs) but like you can literally like, like, it's like your, some of the nerves basically won't work and like food can get stuck. Sometimes they like you they'll forget to like swallow. It gets stuck in like their mouth. Like there's all types of phases to it. I couldn't so, do that. Yeah. It's a lot of like rehabbing that. And also just like when they when you have a stroke, like your language is affected. So like because mm-hmm. part of your brain has like a hemorrhage on it, or part of your brain is just not working right. So you start facing things like not being able to like name objects or not being able to put sentences together or, you know, making like word salads when you talk. So mm. that's typically, yeah, that's typically, or you lose the ability to speak altogether. You or, know, it, so you know that I play racquetball a lot. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a guy next to me and we were talking, we were sitting on the bench getting ready to go in and play the game. And so he went in before I did. He played for five minutes and then he just stopped playing and he walked off the court and he sat down next to me and we'll call him John Doe. And so you know how much trash I talk anyway (laughs) and how petty I can be. And so I said, damn, John Doe, they beat your ass off the court already. (laughs) I didn't, he just stared at me. Yeah. Uh he was having a stroke. 
Oh, wow. Uh, yes. Yes. He was having a stroke right there. And I kept talking trash to him. I was like, what's going on? You know, just kept talking. And then another racquetball player, her and her husband are nurses. Uh-huh. And then that's when things went into high gear. Oh, my gosh. I know. And they took him away. And he had to learn certain words. Wasn't yeah. Like it was a misfire. Yeah. Once they start getting like, I, like I said, I hated, I hated like neuroanatomy. I hated all the medical stuff, but mm-hmm. like the body is so amazing because it's so intricate and literally like this one little, like, you know, lesion on your brain can just like stop you from being out, from being able to say like, my name is Kenya or say like, hi, or say like simple words or like being able to like move your mouth properly. Like it's, yeah. Wow. Is it a stressful job? Can it be? <laughs> it's a stressful job. It's a stressful job. The program is stressful to get the degree to get the job. Like, I don't know. I've only worked in school so far. So, but I would definitely say, like, the confines with, like, because we're confined to, like, there's so many legalities. Because, like, once you get a, once you, once a child has, like, a, get speech services, they get an IEP. What's that? An individualized education plan, which says this child. What's that? (laughs) Which says this child is to get this service, this service, this service for 30 minutes a week. I mean, 30 minutes for an hour, two times a week. And it's like they're they're to get like speech services, you know, and like literally like there's no way around it. Legally, they have to get it. Um, Really? It's speech. It's things like being able to be pulled out of classes and given like small group instruction so that, you know, learning is a little bit easier and more personalized for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Or even like the ones that are like in the self-contained room. So the ones who have like real severe, like intellectual deficits um, who can't be around like other children. The idea is always to keep them like in the least restricted environment. Like that's number one. Really? And that's, yeah. And you always want to keep them like, around their peers as much as possible. But if they can't function like in a regular classroom, that's when they start getting, or that they can't function in Excel in a regular classroom, that's when they put them in like other settings. But, you know, and I know like a lot of people, especially like black people, they have this issue with like special education and like their children being labeled and everything. But really the IEP is in place so the the child can get all the supports that they need while they're in school. Do you feel that a lot of our cousins, us, that we do not take advantage of those services? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I had to say one thing to anybody, it's just that if you feel like your child has a communication disorder, if you feel like they're not pronouncing their words properly, um, if you feel like they're not talking when they're supposed to be talking, get them evaluated like early, like before they get to kindergarten. Because if they get, if they come in, they, I think at three years old, I know in Georgia through babies can, can't wait, um, starting at three years old, they can start getting an IEP. If they come in with the IEP, they'll be able to just go straight through and get the services. Once they're actually in school, mm-hmm. going through like the, the, RTI process, which is response to intervention, which can be a long process. Girl, break that down. What is that? <laughs> Listen. It's so in-depth. That's, <laughs> that's 
there's so many abbreviations and so many like like I said, it's so much red tape, and it's just like RTI. Like I said, the idea is to keep them in the classroom that is best suitable for them. Right. So if they come in with the IEP already, like my niece was three, she came in with the IEP already. She didn't have to go through the RTI process, which can be, which is basically the classroom teacher getting like interventions and ways to help and taking data on it to see how the child's responding to it. And they do that over the course of three of 12 weeks, which is three months. So that's three months of waiting for this child to get the help that they need. But if they come in with the, with the IEP, they skip that whole process. Which really? Is, which, is what, which is what I wish more people knew before they just throw their kid. Like a lot of kids, they haven't seen school since they were in, they don't see school until they're getting kindergarten, you know? So they, they come in behind on her some crazy story. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, and it puts them behind it. And it is literally like heartbreaking, <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. you're looking at these kids. I had a third grader. His, one of his teachers was like, he's really low. He was like, she was like. What, does, what do you mean really low? She was like, he's performing really low academically. Oh, mm-hmm. She was like, I asked him like, how many hands do you have? And he said one. Like, I, I don't even think he was joking either. I mean, it's it's little things like that. And, like, he's the sweetest boy, you know? But it's just, like, there's so many other factors that play into, like, why these kids aren't excelling. And to look at them and say, like, you know, this is who's supposed to grow up and do something with themselves. So it, it hurts to see it be our kids that yeah. are dealing with that, you know? But I don't I don't know. It, it's it's It's... Stressful. <laughs> Do you feel that our people are in denial, like strong denial compared to our counterparts? I think they're in the, yeah, because let me tell you, them other people, these people, they're going to get every single thing their child needs. I promise you. And that is from kindergarten all the way to college. Really? You, even if they need supports in college, they're the ones down there at student services. Like, but we, I don't know. We just have to, we have to be willing to get the help. Like the teachers are there. That's what we're there for, Mm -hmm. you know, but you can't not be doing stuff with your kids at home and then not want them to get help in the school. Also, like the idea is for your child to excel, for your child to be something, you know, for your child to not need you. And by denying them the services that are going to help them get through school, and it, a lot of the time, from what I've heard, a lot of the ones who don't want their kids labeled, I mean, having special, you know, receiving special education services, a lot of them is because they were in special education. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, but if you need the help, you need the help. That's you it. Know, you know how scary it is to sit in a classroom and you don't understand what the teacher's saying to you? Like simple stuff, like these, like a lot of these kids, they came in, they have not been in like real school in like almost two years, you know, what? Well, the ones that are behind are even more behind, which was my fear with when they closed down the schools last year. And a lot of the ones who are behind are the ones who are not going to recover that information, you know? Speaking of last year, so, oh my God, I didn't even think about that with... <laughs> I have a lot of friends that are educators and they were slash are exhausted. So that's just for their regular classes. I can't even imagine 
teachers, yeah. educators that have special education. Yeah. Well, I mean, even the teachers, even the general education teachers, the ones that are in regular classrooms, even they have, even they're often tasked with providing the accommodations or, you know, making sure the child's IEP is also met. So it's a lot on all of us. Like, if you know a teacher, please tell them thank you because it's not easy. Mm. It's very stressful and it's always some kind of data, some kind of documentation, some kind of something. And then it makes you wonder, like, do the kids really even matter in all of this? Because I just want to do therapy with my kids, you know, and see them make even the small progresses <laughs> are right. the, the things that absolutely make it worth it. But it's it's stressful, like I said, because it's public education. And it's not because it's public education, like it's poor or anything like that, but you know, because there's so many, like I said, legalities. And then also these kids come in with so much that you're not going to be able to like tackle. Right. You know, so many issues outside of like the school day. I swear one time somebody told me, somebody was like, you really have to pray because these kids have problems that you are not going to be able to do anything about. And so, mm. you know, that's, it, it's a burden to bear, but that's, it kind of comes with the territory. So do they have special support for you all? They should. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I just thought of that. I mean, that's a lot. I'm like, I get a wellness stipend from my contracting company. I get paid good. I get, you know, I can buy all the materials I want, you know, but you kind of want, like, I'm glad. I'm just glad I have friends who are, like, in the field who I can talk to, bounce ideas off of, vent to, drink, right. all that good stuff. Because it gets heavy, you know, because you want to see them do better. You want to see them. And you know how it can affect them long term. Mm. What is the network as far as Black SLPs, the speech pathologists, the Black network? We make up 8% of the field. The field is very white, very female. So if anybody is listening, please feel free to ask me any questions because we need more Black SLPs. We need more bilingual SLPs because, and don't get me wrong, I went to school with a couple with a couple white girls, but I don't know. There's things like, especially with like dialects and like sociolinguistics becoming a thing, like, you know, speaking in like African-American vernacular, you know, like mm-hmm. if you go to like certain places, they're going to tell you, no, you have a language disorder because you can't say... I'm going to, you say, I'm finna do, you know? So it's like, (laughs) you sound like you're speaking wrong, but you're not speaking wrong. You're just not speaking the white way that they want you to speak. But I still feel like you understood what I said. So I don't feel like I need to dress it up any other kind of way. Right, man. Well, before we take a turn to the correlation of mental health Mm -hmm. and speech pathology oh first of all let me read a comment from monica hi monica she says she's super proud of both of us hey monica she's always a great supporter so before we move on um if anyone listening if you'd love to support the creative content that I so put my heart into, I'm going to drop a link. And if you would love to purchase and buy me a coffee (laughs) for my next podcast, I would so appreciate it. I'm going to put it in the link right now. I just dropped it. There we go. 
Yeah, buy your girl some coffee. You know, it <laughs> takes a lot to make this creative content now. Yeah. I'm gonna need you to drop that link again. <laughs> <laughs> and so for any new listeners, please do not forget to click the subscribe button. It's in the lower corner and make sure you click the bell so you can receive all notifications for the next upcoming episodes. Moving forward, let's come full circle with speech therapy and mental health. Do you all, are you all involved with some of the school therapists or counselors? Or is there a link, I should say? Let me tell you, I am actually, I was an assistant before I started. I was a speech assistant before I started doing this. I was a speech assistant after I decided I wasn't going to keep doing um, counseling. Mm -hmm. I'm actually pretty glad because a lot of what I saw the counselors do at my school was literally nothing they were teaching you in school. Because they were, a lot of them were literally doing things like tending to like behavior, getting paperwork, like a lot of stuff off topic. So really, like if I work with the counselors it's more so in the capacity of hey this kid needs to be tested so that's <laughs> that's it that that's pretty much the interactions i've had with the counselors so far or you know every now and then it'll be yeah like i haven't seen this child in a while but for the most part it's it's really just like academic stuff really wow um, if anyone has questions for Kenya, and the topic is speak your speech with Kenya, she is an SLP, excuse me, she's a dope SLP. She's a dope speech language pathologist. <laughs> I will drop the link. What in the world? Here I am. Oh, I was like, what just happened? I got you. Wrong button. My apologies. Okay. I just dropped the link. So if anyone would like to come on and ask Kenya a question respectfully. She... <laughs> hey, Monica. There we go. So there is the link if you'd like to come on and ask Kenya a question, or if you want to type it in the comment section right now, uh, we will both read them on the air and she will answer to the best of her abilities. Yeah. She's going to speak her speech. <laughs> so what is the correlation with mental health and speech pathology? Um, I will say it's not something there's a whole lot of research on from what I've seen. Mm -hmm. But I will definitely say, like, I can, like, I, like, it almost, I almost wish I took a counseling course. So I kind of know, like, helping skills. But I almost wish it was something that was more so in, like, put into a lot of curriculums. Because mm -hmm. you do run across those kind of things. Because you, like, if you can't communicate, like, you think about how upset you get with things, you know? Like, mm -hmm. when my friend was in the hospital, I remember being told, like, um, she gets really worked up because she can't communicate. You know, she had COVID and then she was like intubated. So she couldn't really talk. She couldn't really text a whole lot because she couldn't move like 
It took a lot of energy. So not being able to communicate, not being able to say like, this is what's wrong with me. Like that can take a toll on you. Wow. Even my niece, when she was like two, she was like, you don't understand me. Mm. You know, like it, you get frustrated when you're miscommunicating or you get frustrated when somebody's not understanding you. But as far as like, um, I know one of the questions you had sent me was which like mental illnesses um, yes. for effective <laughs> communication. The first ones that come to my mind are definitely dementia, Alzheimer's and like schizophrenia. And when you think about like, I mean, people like when you see like, let me say like, houseless people or whatever you see them like talking to themselves and things that they're saying don't make a whole lot of sense you know a lot of that is yes alcohol can affect your speech it can don't tell me that <laughs> i'm saying that as i'm sitting here drinking too you know you know and people will be quick to say like you're crazy but it's just like you're not understanding what this person is saying they likely are understanding they can't put words together in their mind it probably makes sense what they're saying yeah. i have a little boy who runs his mouth talks loud as ever but you cannot understand a single thing he says what does it sound like I don't, I don't even know. I, I wish I could. Like, but he lit like they're not even like real words. What he says, so but he's like, making like, up words, basically making what? up words, making up sentences. Wow. Um, and that's exactly why we're working on like grammatically correct sentences. But even just being able to like help like caregivers, like because they caregivers go through things too when they can't communicate to somebody that they love if they've been had they if they've had an accident, you know. Right. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> we do have a question from a listener from Zoe Chinchilla. Uh, Zoe, you seem to be a new listener. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm gonna need you to press that subscribe button, sis. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to this channel. Thank you for your question. I'm gonna read it. Zoe asked, "What would you suggest for someone that is in high school and needs speech therapy?" but may not be getting it. I would definitely say if they're in the school system, talk to the counselor or actually go to the teacher. The teacher is usually the one who can make the referral to whoever is the lead teacher for special education. And then they can start the testing process to get the child in speech therapy, unless you go through like a private practice. And then that's, some of them are free. It depends or whatever. But the best way is probably the fastest way is going to be private practice. Um, but like I said, the school will provide services if they qualify. There's tests and they have to make sure the school is going to give it to them, give it to the child if it's affecting them academically. Like, mm -hmm. if it, like if they stutter and now they're scared to talk in school or if they have like an angry, uh, excuse me, a language issue and they can't really communicate, it's going to affect their ability to ask for help. It's going to affect their ability to ask for clarification with teachers. Um, yeah, so pretty much those things. But definitely, mm -hmm. I would definitely say talk to the teacher first. And the teacher so we, thank you for your question. I appreciate that. Thank you, Kenya, for that answer. Um, I clearly understood you on that. <laughs> How does anxiety affect speech? I don't know. My, I start getting nervous. When I get anxious, like I get nervous. I can't put things together properly. <laughs> I start talking too fast, which I, I kind of talk fast naturally, but 
Yeah, you can be at a loss. A big thing is being at a loss for words and just not being able to. And then also blocking out things, not being able to like receive information. What do you, what does that look like? That, I never heard of that. Wow. I, I know. I, I tune out. Like if I'm anxious or if I'm nervous or something like that, like you don't like I don't really want to hear anything. Um, that's how it pretty much is for me. Um, yeah, <laughs> I get nervous. I I tend to like lose my train of thought. Um, yeah, that's all I could think of for right now. Yeah. <laughs> what about stuttering? Is that related to mental health at all? It can. Or that's be. just a. It can be people who there. There's a couple different things reasons for stuttering, but stuttering can also come from like traumatic events. Stuttering can come from. It can be like developmental. Um, like a lot of time, like little children will stutter because they're just learning how to talk and they're just learning how to like move their mouth and things like that, you know, um, and form words and put things together. And so their minds are running a mile a minute and their mouth, their, their minds are running faster than their mouths can go. But a lot of the time, like somebody who actually has like a true stutter, um, it's things like getting nervous, anxiety can cause them to stutter, depression cause them to stutter, being in front of like, a classroom can cause them to stutter. <laughs> Y'all, I do not like public speaking. I don't either. I don't either. I actually, I have a couple kids I work with virtually and one of them, they, I actually, I just went to her meeting today and the teacher was like, we just, the teacher was like, we want to know if she's nonverbal. I was like, she's not nonverbal. I was like, the child talks. And I was like, why would you think she's nonverbal? And they're like, oh, because she doesn't talk in class. She doesn't turn her, she doesn't turn her camera on. And I was just like, the child talks. Like she, but I don't put that pressure on them to turn their camera on because I don't even want my own camera on. Like I feel so much more comfortable when I don't have to, to look at people when I talk, you know? Mm. It may sound a little crazy. <laughs> no, it does not. It does not. I, because I can relate. You know, I, I'm getting used to doing this, this podcast. But if there were more than 2.5 people in front of me, mm-hmm. it, <laughs> I really have to talk myself off the ledge. Let me tell you a quick story. So about 10, 12 years ago. In Lithonia, they used to have these Wednesday wind downs like they had downtown. I remember. Remember? Uh-huh. And so I was selling some products at the time, and <clears throat> there was about 5,000 people. And my best friend, she said, Ursula, you have something good. You need to go on that stage and talk about your product i said no and she kept pushing me and so i was like f it i'm gonna do it fuck it i'll do it i literally came out of my body to this day i do not remember what i said but i know whatever i said the crowd laughed (laughs) so maybe that's what you're talking about with the shutdown and i felt like i was stuttering my hands were sweaty and i remember when i finished my back was so sweaty. Like you can yeah. see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my best friend used to have the same thing. She actually asked me when we were in high school, she actually asked me to read her project for her in front of class. Cause she was like, my yeah. palms are sweaty. Like I can't, I can't think straight. Like I can't do anything, but Ugh. I was like, I really know better, but okay. <laughs> So we have another question from Zoe. She said, 
Kenya, you mentioned private speech therapy possibly being free. How can you seek either free or on a sliding scale? That's a great question, Zoe. Thank you. I think I, I if I had to take a gift, I'm going to say it would probably like a lot of them receive it through Medicaid or Medicare. Mm. Usually it's typically what it goes through. Um, sometimes I, I want to say like speech is sometimes covered through insurance, through like your insurance as well, your health insurance as well. But I'm almost positive Medicaid and Medicare are the ones that would do it for free. And sometimes you can go to a um to if there's like a school located where you are, they typically do services for free or on a sliding scale. I know in Atlanta, Georgia State is the only one with a speech clinic. And because they're student therapists, um, they can't get money for it. Oh, you know what? That's an amazing idea. Yeah. I mean, and that's that. Yeah. Anywhere that they have like clinics, like mental health counseling, speech, dentistry, all of that, like go to the students. Massage. <laughs> yeah. Massages yeah. For real. Hours. Zoe, thank you for that question. And if anyone else, if you have any questions, please feel free to drop them in the comments. Or you can come on live with Kenya and I before we start wrapping it up. So, Kenya, I have a question for you. Maybe it was asked already and I didn't know. When I was looking at some research, it talked about speech deficits. What What is that? Uh, do you remember context it was used in? I sure don't. <laughs> <laughs> Because usually, like, I, I, I do have that screenshot where you said speech deficits. And really, like, the biggest, like, what how I interpret it is, is um, if you have deficits in understanding language, um, being able to communicate, like I said, being able to name things, being able to name people, put sentences together, those are usually what we say when we say they have a deficit in this or they, they don't use their deficit is in pronouns. So that's typically where it is, I'm thinking. If that's well, that's more than what I knew. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Why do you why do you think? I mean, you answered it earlier. I just what would you tell any person of color who is apprehensive about getting some assistance for their child? Since you said that these services are from young until college. They're, they're from, we, speech pathologists will service birth to like geriatric. So birth. It, yeah, birth, like early intervention. Yeah, it's, it's a service called early intervention. So you can come to people's houses, but that's things like, does this child share attention with you? Like if you're playing with the ball, do they look at the ball? You know, will they try and grab the ball? Will they grab what toy they want? That all of that is communication. Communication is not, is not always verbal. A lot, it can be very much nonverbal. And a lot of the time it's just understanding, you know, how people are different in their way of communicating. Mind blown. I never <laughs> Yeah, like a lot, of, a lot of children who are like on the spectrum, their parents will notice early, like they won't play with, they won't share like joint attention. Like if you call their name, they don't respond. Eye contact is a big one with children who are on the spectrum as well. I 
personally, this is a whole other topic, but I personally hate like eye contact goals because that goes back to like the whole public speaking and looking at me. Because if you're taking somebody who is, who is neuro, well, who is neuroatypical, who's like on the autism spectrum, one of their biggest struggles is maintaining eye contact. So a lot of, a lot of therapists will give children goals for holding eye contact with their with the person that they're talking to. And it's really wrong. It's dangerous. It's harmful. Because now you're forcing a child to do something that they don't want to do. You know, and when you think about how that taxes them mentally, like me personally, to sit here and look somebody in the eye while I'm talking to them, it's a lot. And I'm not even on the autism spectrum. But you think about like the mental burden on somebody saying like, this is what you have to do because you have to be normal you know, like it's heavy and you're putting that on a child who they can very well be listening to you. They just don't want to look you straight in the eye. But that doesn't mean they're not li- listening to you. And, and that's why I said, like, we need more, more diverse therapists, because even getting goals like like whole body listening, like listening, like making sure you're looking at the person, making sure like your hands are still or making sure like you're not moving and fidgeting and stuff. Those things that can be really, really, really difficult for somebody, especially somebody who a lot of black people, they talk with their hands. You know? Yes. They do a lot of this. <laughs> I know what. Exactly. So expecting somebody to sit there calmly and like not do that is really asking somebody not to be themselves or really telling them that the way that you are isn't okay. You know, so it's yeah, I I personally avoid those things because it it makes up who you are, you know. But how can you use how can you differentiate between them being shy and then on the spectrum? If they come in with autism, they, they'll get a they'll, they'll have an autism diagnosis. We don't diagnose autism, but most of them will oh. come in with it. Will already have a diagnosis of, of autism. But even if they don't, I just because to me it doesn't bother me. Like I feel like if you can still talk to me, if you can still respond to me, answer my questions and everything, you're listening. I have kids that could be jumping all over the room, and I guarantee you, when I look at them and ask them a question, they'll answer. But I also make it a point to tell them, like, you're so smart. Like, I love that you're here. You know, tell them good things because a lot of them have, you know, they're yelled at, you know, they're reprimanded, their things are wrong. Or like, you know, teachers get frustrated because it can be it can be challenging, you know. So it's just constantly reminding them, like, you're special. Like, I'm glad you're here. You're doing so well. Thank you for trying. So I try to do to you know, to, you know, I have one little girl today. She's like, I don't get this. She's like, it's hard. And it's just a matter of reminding her, like, we're going to keep working on it. You know, it's going to become, you're going to get this eventually. Oh, that's, you have the patience of Job. I have heard that today too. (laughs) Yeah. My room was actually, my office is actually in the the teacher copy room. And so I had a child in there, the one who I said doesn't, he doesn't speak a whole lot of like sentence, intelligible sentences. And she's just like, you have the patience of Job. She's like, because you just are so well with them. But it's a lot of, like I said, I honestly think like a lot of it is just, I do attribute it to um, the the classes that I took, the helping skills class that I took twice because I failed it the first time. (laughs) But it's all good, you know? So you mentioned that you all can work on babies to geriatrics. What does it look like 
with geriatrics? Swallowing, stroke, um, not remembering things. Um, yeah, a lot of time with geriatric patients, it's like they're older, or like I said, typically like they've had a stroke or something and their language, like they have a language impairment because they have a lesion on their brain. So now they can't put together a sentence or they can't remember the grandkids' names, you know, or they can't remember. I did have one. Oh, I loved her too. I was so mad when COVID happened, but she was like, a, she was like 80 something years old. She was a doctor who went to Howard. She was one of my clients um, in the clinic. She was the cutest little thing, but all she ever said was, it's like that. It's like that. She could be asking me to get her purse and bring it into the room. And she's like, it's like that, you know? And so she had a couple of strokes Ooh. and yeah, her language was like completely impaired. She couldn't like, like a lot of the tests, like she couldn't identify a lot of things. And like I said, it was just really repeating. It's like that every now and then she could tell me like she was from Michigan or she went to this school or she was an AKA. But for the most part, um, we worked a lot on like um, ADLs, which are activities of daily living. Which like, what is the example of that? Brushing your teeth, having like a set schedule. Like I get up at this time, I eat the same thing every morning. I eat this in the morning, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times, like I didn't, like I said, I didn't get to do a whole lot of work with her, but counting, being able to count money or like printing up like a fake menu and saying, okay, what do you want to order? And she'd be like, I want this, that, and next thing. And working over, working with her on um, counting up the total and (laughs) counting up the total. And, you know, this is how much money you need to give them. So just like simple Mm. things that we take for granted that we can do so loosely. Yeah. And she, her daughter was really on top of making sure that, you know, she got the help and she lived completely by herself, even though she She did. She had a, she has a, like a a sitter that comes by, but only in the daytime. But they were like, no, she completely has her routine. She gets up every morning, comes down the stairs, but literally she moves on this like clockwork every time. Does the same thing, same breakfast every morning, everything. Wow. Yeah. Um, we do like memory. I had one who I was working on with memory. She was like 40 something. She thought she was, she thought, <laughs> she thought she had like early Alzheimer's. I just think she had a lot of kids and just wasn't like focusing. I'm serious. <laughs> so we, and so we worked on things like you know, <laughs> girl. She only had like she only had like three, but you know, three. My sister has look, only. My sister has two, and it feels like ten. Yeah, see. So it's things like you know, meditating. Like like that's what we worked on with her before, like our sessions. We do like a thirty seconds of like deep breathing meditation, like clear your mind. Yes. You know, now we're going to now we're going to work on this, you know, or like I remember one thing we did was going to the grocery store. She was like she would forget what she made went to the grocery store for. So I'm like make sure you write a list visualize the grocery store, you know, and visualize the produce, the dairy, and everything like that, you know, and so that kind of helped like streamline the process. So you just, you really never know what you're going to get. Like everybody's different. And a lot of people, it stresses them out that they can't, they can't do the things that they want to do. They can't, they're not the person that they used to be before, mm. you know, or their, their child isn't performing the way that they wanted them to perform. So. You know, I like what you said about having a normal routine. I'm going to go back to this racquetball and then I'm going to read a couple of comments and questions. So one 
man I played with, we'll call him Roger. <laughs> Roger Jenkins. And so we were playing racquetball. And again, he ended up having uh, seizures. Mm. And the men I played with, they said, well, just give him some water and let him sit on the bench. Water and sit on the bench. I know. I know. So I'm usually mm-hmm. the only woman that plays. So, you know, my maternal instinct, like, no, let's call 911. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's sitting there blinking. Like he's literally just phased out. So now he's recovered, but he's not the same. He just he wasn't the same. So I believe Roger Jenkins was in his oh early 40s do you know he ended up living with his parents now let me tell you it did not mess up his racquetball game (laughs) he came in there he he stuttered really bad his parents would drop him off at the gym at four o'clock and picked him up at 8 30 and he was there whooping ass for four and a half long time oh that's what we do now we'll play forever yeah (laughs) that's what we all do yeah it's like it's social time you're working out but yeah he was whooping everyone's ass so he didn't lose that ability but to say all of that i loved how his parents now it makes sense they kept him on the schedule yeah so they they would drop him off like he was going to school they dropped him off at the gym to play (laughs) racquetball And instead of a book bag, he had his racquetball bag on his back with his rackets. And we, so, yeah. Once they know, once they once they're in a set pattern or whatever, it, and it, it helps with them developing like independence. Because mm. I've also said in a couple IEP meetings when I have parents who are like, "I don't know what I'm gonna do when she's too old," you know, when she because I think dependent they they can stay in the system and they can stay in the school system until they're 21, but. Right. In, and still be able to receive services. I think they hold like it depends if if they're really severe. Not all of them, but they can mm-hmm. you can't stay in school till you're 21. And just like having parents say like I have no clue like what's gonna happen like when I'm not here to take care of them. So again, mm-hmm. that's why I said like it is so important to give your kids like these supports that they need mm-hmm. so that they can be able to read, so they can be able to write, so they can understand what somebody's saying to to them. You know exactly. When I have you seen um have you seen when they see us the one about the central park five on netflix uh i don't have netflix i don't have <laughs> girl i don't even know where the remote is to my tv oh lord okay. i know <laughs> but you know the the fun job where i work yeah one of the guys he goes to the games all the time oh wow like all the time yeah so um i'll off air i'll i talk to one of them i'll tell you which one but anyways yes i know central park so central park five there was the boy the young man who ended up doing a whole lot of time who ended up doing the most time out of all of them there was one scene in it where they asked him to read a piece of paper. I don't even remember what the pe- what the paper said, but they asked him to read a piece of paper and he just broke down. He's like, I don't understand this. He's like, I can't read it. And so he ended up being, he ended up having to do time because you can't tell them this wasn't yours, you know? And even with 
Centoya Brown, the girl who the girl who they said she killed her pimp or something like that, and she just mm-hmm. got out. Even with her, I remember reading when she got read like her Miranda rights, she didn't even understand what they were telling her. You know, so you're agreeing to all this stuff and you have the comprehension of like somebody like four, five, six, seven, eight years younger than you, and you're just saying okay, oh and God. all this stuff, you know, and that <laughs> like I said, it's a this a whole thing, but that's how they end up in trouble because they don't understand what's being told to them, you know, or if they receptively if they can't understand i have so many kids that have following directions goals and that's a scary thing because you get pulled over by the police the police says stop do this and you understand what they're telling you like you're in trouble especially being a child of color exactly (laughs) i never thought about it like that it's it's people underestimate like how how intense communication can be and how important it is and how it's not just can I talk to you? It's also, am I understanding you? I, I never knew. <laughs> I know now. So we have a, a comment, an FYI from Monica Johnson. She said, FYI, my child was in private school, which did not provide speech services. We were able to take him to our local neighborhood elementary school for services, even though, what? Even yeah. though he was not a student there. Yeah, they do that. They yeah, that that's happened. Yeah. Wow. I don't know how exactly how it works, but I do know I've heard that before too. Because I know a lot of private schools and charter schools don't offer like support services typically. That was a great nugget. Thank you, yeah. Monica, for that nugget. Hello, Patrice with the velvety voice. We appreciate <laughs> you chiming in. And then here, uh, hopefully, Zoe. Chinchilla, I think that's her name. If you're still logged on, you can read or listen to this comment. This may help you with your earlier question from uh, Erica Wyatt said, my nephew received help through Easter Seals. I forgot all about Easter Seals. That's a good one. I didn't know about that. And he, <laughs> I don't have kids. I don't. <laughs> he was nonverbal and now he, t- now he talks nonstop. So that's that may be another resource someone can use. Erica, God bless you I for that. Erica, I totally forgot about Easter Seals. What, what, what do they do? I don't, other than this, now I'm finding out. <laughs> I like, I, they, they're special, special. They work with special needs kids. Don't give me the line. I don't know it all in depth, but I do know they have speech pathologists. I want to say they have like, a physical therapist and occupational therapist too, but they're definitely for children with special needs, but I just forgot all about it. Hmm. That's thank you for that nugget, Erica. That was very well needed. So Zoe, I hope you listen to that. That's one route you can start with. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to start wrapping it up. You know, this went by so fast. <laughs> I told you, wait, let me get, I told you. You did, you did. Use my you hands did. to communicate. So if anyone, <laughs> any, if you had any um, ideas that resonated with you, something that Kenya said made your, your, your brain just become enlightened, please <laughs> drop some light bulb emojis in the comment box. And Kenya, um, what's one thing or another thing you can tell a parent of color to something to erase the stigma of getting help for our brown and black children? 
it is there for a reason. We are paid for a reason to be there for your children. <laughs> That's why we work these long hours and do all these documentation and paperwork. The first time you see something wrong, take your child to the pediatrician and get them checked. Right. And come right on down. Like there's there's literally nothing wrong with, with needing help. And you can always, I mean, the IEP isn't going to be held against them. They can, but like I said, it's the best thing is to set your child up for success because they're not always going to have you, you know, and you don't want them to be out in the world and not be able to like, you know, communicate, not be able to understand and, you know, just be, like I said, they get angry when they keep, I had a child the other day told me I'm angry. I'm like, what are you mad for? Like, (laughs) you should have said, speak your speech. I tried. I tried. I, I told him all the time, like, use your words. Like, I don't, you just told me you're angry isn't going to do a whole lot for me. Right. But they, yeah, they're a joy, but you, they're a joy to work with. I love working with them, but I also want to know that they're going to graduate and go on and be productive with whatever it is. Mm. Give them all the help they need, whether it be, I had, I actually just talked to a parent the other day who was like, she feels like her, I called her for, for, um, I was doing an evaluation report, but she actually told me, you know, she's like, she's a single mother of like six. He's the youngest one. And she's just like, I'm really thinking about putting him back in therapy. And she's like, because he had a close relationship with his dad, but then they found out, but then his dad disappeared. And then they found out his dad was in cars is actually in jail. Mm. And so she's like, she thinks a lot of his, um, a lot of his negative behaviors are coming from that. And so I read a quote one day that was like, language, language doesn't affect behaviors, but behaviors affect language. Ooh. And so like we act out when somebody isn't understanding us, when we can't, when I can't tell you, this is what hurts me because I miss my dad and this is why I'm acting out in school or, you know, so listen to your kids, give them what they need, whatever they need, mental health, Supports are educational support services in school. Like it is all there for a reason. Right. It really is. It's, you know, especially like Monica said, they found a way. They yeah. went back, back to another school. Yeah. <laughs> you have not because you asked not. So how about that? <laughs> so with the 8% of our, <laughs> right, with br- black and brown speech pathologist do y'all do your pathology differently <laughs> I, don't know what, how to... I mean I know that we have different like you said using our hands and mm-hmm. how we communicate but are there other ways that there's just a clear difference <laughs> between us um are you thinking about like between like us and like them yes <laughs> um there can be, there can be, like, even, like, the way we pronounce words. Like, I mean, you know, if you listen to enough kids in Georgia say street, straight, and strawberry, you know, um, there's a couple other things. There's a couple other words. Just, like, African-American vernacular is amazing to me in general. Like, Why do you say that? It just is. It's just the fact that, like, we made this. Like, we understand each other, you know? Like, I can say, like, I be doing something and, like, you understand, like, the habitual be, like, that. It just, it's just there. Like, there's no real reason for it. But <laughs> you know, if I say I be doing this, I mean, I'm doing it all the time. 
And we just literally like understand each other. And I know some days I get so tired of like trying to talk professionally and like proper to like some of these kids. Not the code switch. (laughs) (laughs) You be too tired for it some days. You know what I love? How I absolutely love how black women communicate with yes. our words excuse me without saying a word it is, is a communicate listen i was in uh i don't know dollar general or something somebody came in there wiling out <laughs> <laughs> the late we were in line at the cash register and so there was three of us, three sisters. We were in a row. We did not know each other. And all we did. Nonverbal communication. <laughs> I now, guess more with, with the nonverbal stuff when it comes to like black people. It, it's black men too. It's black men too. Yes. We had a whole conversation. And then we just busted out laughing because we knew exactly what we were saying. So this will be turned into an audio podcast so if you all or when you all hear the pause that's me looking with that sister girl look <laughs> but guess what can you knew exactly what i was saying <laughs> and with that we're gonna end and yeah. uh kenya i knew this was gonna be good <laughs> yeah you are a delight you what do you like to do to wind down huh what do you like to do when you want? I can't down? say it because I don't need the cops at my door. Okay, so on that note, we're going to end this podcast. <laughs> well, look, stay online and then, um, yeah, stay off air. You all, thank you all so much for your comments, your questions, your golden nuggets, even your having enlightened moments. Like uh, Erica Wyatt said, she enjoyed this. And we enjoyed your comments, Erica. So um, you all tune in next week. I forgot who's going to be on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I do remember. It's Cody Knox. He is a counselor, but he also is going to, we're going to talk about trauma and how it affects the body and healing through your trauma what that looks like and he's also i've been starting some shadow work oh that's so ugly (laughs) and he's my coach for shadow work and yeah look as i'm wringing my hand look communication wow because i've tried doing that too and i'm just like no this isn't the time for me to do it (laughs) i didn't know yeah definitely stay on once you go out there so i can tell you something Look, you see me? I'm just thinking about it. It's making yeah, me bring my hands. Okay. <laughs> right. So you all have a good evening and we will see you next week. Thank you, Kenya. Thank you. Oh, Kenya. Yeah. Kenya. Yes. You are a black girl that has her shift together. Hey. Hey. <laughs> you for joining me on this episode of black girls getting their shift together if anything you heard today made your soul vibrate please like comment and share this episode with two of your friends thank you and i love you all this is
for the queen. Sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self-esteem. Beauty supreme and booty walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunch it with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti. Black girl magic, melanin popping. Whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure. You got to love a black girl getting a shift together. Black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, man. These black girls are getting a shift together. These black girls getting a shift together, dog. 2020 has proved that we must be prepared for the unexpected, which is why you should contact an Edward Jones financial advisor like Tom DeLeo Day. Contact him at 770-466-0031 to schedule an appointment. Tell him Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together sent you.